Welcome to uh, the only Kids on the Hall podcast. Uh, we we sur- at least we Googled it, and I couldn't find another Kids on the Hall podcast, so we're saying this is the only Kids on the Hall podcast. Uh, um, if there is another one, please send a cease and desist. And we'll <laughs> change the title. Yeah, no, many apologies to all the inevitable you know, other Kids in the Hall podcasts. I thought, we just thought it was funny, right? We don't think we're actually really the only one. I think we are the only one, and, and I should say, my name is Nick Ramirez. And I'm joined today with my co-hosts, Amay Lutkin. Hello. And Jared Emick. Hello. And the, yeah, this uh, Jared, I think this is the only Kids in the Hall podcast. That's crazy to me. Isn't it one of those like kind of comedy standards that everybody loves and everybody talks about and everybody goes to for instruction and inspiration? I would have imagined it, there'd be tons. I think that's true, but I also think it's not one that people necessarily remember with as much clarity as like an episode of SNL or something more recent. Because whenever mm-hmm. I'm on a date and they ask what kind of comedy I like, I say Kids in the Hall and there are no follow-up questions, but they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is like a street cred thing yes, to say. for sure. <laughs> well, we're, so we're going to talk about the pilot episode of the Kids in the Hall or the special, I think it's officially called the pilot. Uh, but first I wanted to, yeah, just go through real quick like what do I how, what's our past with the kids in the hall I was a big fan of it as a kid I used to watch it all the time on Comedy Central growing up uh and May you, you said you, you you told all you tell all your boyfriends that you you love it but <laughs> yeah my many lovers <laughs> <laughs> I did watch it a lot growing that's up that's what dates are right everybody's your boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> very stressful but I can't stop myself <laughs> lots of drama yeah um, I remember watching it a lot. My parents had HBO, which was very fancy, and we would just watch a lot of TV together. And then I did see them also when they toured, and I've been thinking about when that was. Like I was looking at their tour list. I think it was like 2013 or something. I think we, I yeah. think we went to the same show because I, yeah. I was uh, remembering that. That's why. That's one of the reasons I asked if you wanted to do a Kids in the Hall podcast. <laughs> I was like, who right. went to that show in New York that that I went to? Oh, yeah, and what was the show exactly, guys? It was a reunion? Was like they a were all there? Or? show, and I think some of mm. them were new and some of them were old favorites. So my memories mm-hmm. of it were vague because I drank a lot at that event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've, they've reunited and toured a, a couple times, uh, more than a couple times since, since like uh, around 2000. I saw I saw them uh, in high school when they when they did their first reunion tour. Oh, but wow. so, so, Jared, you uh, you were not really a Kids in the Hall fan growing up. You know, I wasn't. I mean, I was much more as far as I'm a big SNL guy, uh, big sketch guy in general. And for, as far as older sketch, I'm I'm a big, big Monty Python fan. But I didn't really dip into Kids in the Hall that much. My Honestly, my biggest association with Kids in the Hall is the guys who would teach classes at the pit who were from Kids in the Hall. <laughs> like, oh, I well, think... Yeah. The People's what? Improv Theater. I was gonna say that it's the People's Improv Theater in New York, just in case people, anybody we don't know, is listening. Yeah, yeah. No, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's the People's Improv Theater in New York. Sorry, two of you out there. We, uh, yeah, we uh... look. They're listening to this podcast. It's about a sketch thing. I mean, you got to figure that the dorks out there who know what I'm talking about, right? I guess even to preface even more, uh, I should say, please, May, Jared, and I all met doing improv and sketch comedy at the UCB Theater in New York. Um, That's right. The much heralded. Now gone and meaningless. 
UCB theater. Uh, but Jared, you're talking about those classes that I think Kevin McDonald taught there. I don't know if anybody else did. I'm always so curious about comedy troops when like they, you know, break up or go their separate ways and their career trajectories take so many different directions. And the ones who end up teaching, I'm like, do they secretly resent that this is where they ended up? Or do they really love the process of teaching people comedy? Like, is that like the thing that gets them out of bed in the morning? I will say that I think it's more in the secretly resent <laughs> category. <laughs> what makes uh, you say that? Do you have insider info? Well, I read their biography and it just, uh, I, I, I don't think, I, I mean, Kevin McDonald still works in, in the entertainment industry. I, I think he would, and I think he would rather be, not to speak for Kevin McDonald, but I think he would rather be the star of a sitcom than, than teaching. Well, wouldn't we all? Ted. I mean, yeah. yeah, I want to be the star of a sitcom. If anyone's listening to this and they can cast me as a star of a sitcom, please get in touch. I'm listening to all the indie comedy podcasts. I'm trying to find the next star. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a May girl. I I don't don't see her, but I hear her. And she sounds like the next big thing. I don't know if we can say this. Maybe we have to cut it out. But I really think Matt Besser definitely falls in the category of like angriest person. (laughs) (laughs) Besser kind of reminds me of McDonald in a way. I feel like they're very similar. Well, they look kind of similar. They look. I was going to say they look very similar, but they... Appearance-wise, yeah. yes, certainly. True. That's true. I can imagine making out with Kevin McDonald. I definitely can't imagine making out with Matt Besser. I don't know. That's Man, making out with Matt Besser, that must be interesting. So you can imagine, <laughs> that is what I'm hearing. Well, I'm not going to... Look, I've, I've wanted to... You know, when I was rising the ranks and everything, I wanted to make a good impression. So I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I thought, okay, yeah, sure. Maybe I'm just smooch. picturing... Picturing a May making out with Kevin McDonald and explaining who the kids in the hall are. <laughs> He's explaining to me or I'm explaining to him? You're explaining <laughs> to him. <laughs> um, well, guys, I prepared a little something for before we talk about the, the episode. I wanted to put us in the, in the place, the time and place when it first aired, which was uh, October 16th, 1988. So. Ooh. Red Red Wine by UB40 was number one on the charts in America. Wow, this is really the vibe. <laughs> this is one of those songs where you know it by heart, but I could, until you just said it, Nick, I couldn't tell well, you who sang it or who. Go ahead. This oh, is, really? This is important. You didn't know? Okay. Well, I didn't it, know the name of the artist. No. <laughs> I'm a fool. I don't know shit. Go ahead. Anyway, I was going to say that was number one on the charts in America, but in Canada, it was Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFarland. <laughs> That now I can tell you this was by McFerrin, of course. Uh, and a little bit more, I prepared. Number one in the box office. <laughs> well, it was a certain little legal drama known, known as The Accused, starring a certain actress known as Jodie Foster. But number one in the Canadian box office. Well, that information is a little harder to find. <laughs> <laughs> and now we are back in time and ready to talk about the pilot episode of The Kids in the Hall. That was great, Nick. Okay, so we're at the beginning of the show. The first episode, first sketch, it's called "You You Millionaires." Hey, you millionaires! Very. Are quick. these all titles that you official titles or, or are they? I think they're official just... titles. Yeah, I think wow. they're from the DVDs or something. Oh, from the DVDs. Okay, great. Or from Wikipedia somewhere. Ooh, less great, but I'm still in. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's just a quick blackout sketch. Uh, a bunch of millionaires are digging around in garbage. Hey, you millionaires! Get out of that garbage! 
That got a laugh out of me right out of the gate. I, I thought it was funny. I mean, very stupid, very short, but I mean, I like, I think it's kind of started this trend for me that I noticed watching the show and that they do tend to honor like the sketch formats and the traditional formats that you'll see. And it makes sense why guys like McDonald want to teach because like there's a clear blackout, a clear runner, you know, like the, the, the structure, you can really tell that they give a shit about that throughout the entire show. And it feels like a classic sketch show in the way you would learn to write a sketch show, you know, at a theater. Yeah, it's very well balanced in terms of types of sketch. Like you're saying these blackouts. And then there's all these monologue sketches mm -hmm. where they just kind of yes. like let somebody be a character and do the character for several minutes. I enjoyed that. There are even like some character choices where a note that we might get putting this sketch up at UCB would be like, you know, the straight man shouldn't be this crazy the straight man should shouldn't yeah. have it. i know that so happened funny. that's almost like a trademark of theirs it seems and i think even that blackout like if you brought that to somebody like a director or a teacher they'd just be like what's the joke and you'd be like i don't know they're in the trash this is problematic <laughs> and that, yeah. get out of my class yeah they'd just be like what there's no setup it's just no i know it's a punchline yeah you have to like some absurdist stuff, I think. You can't just, not everything has to be strictly game. You see people. I, yeah, I don't think things have to be strictly game at all. And I also think that there are times when like comedy is not just absurd, but it's like chaotic and Dadaist and weird in a way that's supposed to make you feel, you know, oriented. And Jared, you were saying that you thought this was like, this was an example of the this this pilot was an example of the kids in the hall uh, just being like classic sketch writers and I think you're right but it, as the show gets goes on they do a lot of cr much crazier stuff and a lot more mm. a lot more surreal comedy so that's sometimes the issue with teaching sketch and I guess comedy in general is that like they always preach oh you have to know the rules before you can break them but then it's like you never break them. <laughs> like they, they're always just teaching you more and more rules. It feels like sometimes at, at some of these, like at UCB and everywhere else. So, well, luckily, these structures no longer exist. So, <laughs> that is that is nice. It is nice. I mean, it's a little depressing that I wasted so much time thinking about some of these teams and things that would happen, and you now it's totally meaningless. But uh, hey, I think I'm a better person for it. I met you guys. We're doing this. I, I do want to say about this this inch this uh opening what do we call it opening credits intro song yeah opening titles yeah i think it's a i think the song is great i think it's a really cool song and i think just the this super eight eight or eight millimeter footage of the of the guys it and like just the way it's shot just everything about it just it just always seems so cool to me <laughs> Like, I thought, oh, this is the coolest. And I still do think it's got to be, like, the coolest sketch show there is. Wow. Really? Are there, are what's there so cool? What's shows? so... I, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, mean, I think Python's know. cooler. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, it's like, it's <laughs> that was a good discussion. era that I think is um, so limited in terms of, like, who is allowed to make sketch that I can't be like, oh, it's the coolest... I, you know, there's this like worshipfulness right. that happens towards comedy that happened before a certain year, right? And that is going to exclude so many people and so many sensibilities inevitably. So, but I do think like in terms of the like the groups of white men making comedy uh, era, <laughs> I they're probably definitely my favorite. And I think part of that is because of Scott Thompson 
And I think it's because he like brings in this element of queerness that probably was really, really hard to get on the air. Like we're kind of taking it for granted now. It's just like, oh, he's like doing his different characters and some of them are gay men and there's jokes about right relationships and stuff. But it's 1988. Like that must have been really. Was he was he out? Do we know if he was out during during the show? I mean, he must have been. He definitely. I was just. I. I mean, only because I. I think about that because of Python and how Graham Chapman was gay, but he never told anyone. And I just always wonder what it would have been like if he felt comfortable enough to do that. And then, like you're saying, May was able to kind of bring that to his voice, his comedic voice, and 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 bring that to the content they made. I. I don't know. It's just crazy. But you're right. It does. It does strike you how it starts, and it's like, well, it's it's all white guys as advertised. <laughs> And it's like, I don't mind that. But at the same time, like the, the the more time goes on, the more you think like, okay, I guess I have to really, you know, I mean, you grow up with this a little more to you, you know, like you right. love, right. love comedy. So you go and seek out comedy and you find what is being presented and pushed forward in the media. And that like becomes your sensibility to a degree. For the time, like you're saying, this was like a very progressive uh, sketch show. Like they were totally, they were pushing a lot of boundaries. Um, especially with like the uh with the 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 gay themes but uh i I think what made me think it was just so cool back then was and what it makes it still seem cool to me now is just grow i guess just because i grew up in the 90s and that grunge look it was just Uh. it was just all and this was shot in 89 or 88 before grunge even existed as a thing but it just i don't know the aesthetic still seems very cool to me i guess just because that's when i grew up well it's like they all have the the improvisers uniform i mean they're all doing the plaid shirt thing and like <laughs> i mean it is kind of like a preview of what comedians look and act like yeah that's true i mean well i think a lot of the comedians now are modeling themselves over these like old ideas of what of what it looks like you know? mm-hmm. um. well so let's talk about this second sketch Miss, I wouldn't throw her out of bed for uh, aging. No, sir. I guess not. You know what I'd like to do to her, guys? What? What? Take her out to a little black and white foreign film. <laughs> the kind with subtitles? We oui, monsieur. <laughs> then afterwards, I drive her home. All the way, if you know what I mean. I think I do. And I wouldn't leave her house until... Until what? Until... Until I saw her safely to her door. Ooh, killer fish! Love monkey, yeah! Oh, I thought about this sketch a lot. So, I was watching this and I was like, this feels like a precursor to all the terrible, like, woke comedy sketches that we see about feminism. Like, I've seen so many sketches about, like, turning the tables on cat collars or whatever. Uh, So... It was funny to see this in 1988 because it's kind of the same premise where it's like, what if these cat collars were romantic? Yeah. <laughs> so this, is, this one's called Guys on a Break. And yeah, it's just three guys sitting around and talking about what they would do to women if they could. And it's all very tame stuff and very romantic stuff. And is 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 part of the is there is part of the joke like cattle call instead of like, is that? part of it it's it's like that's what i thought it was gonna be when i saw they were clearly catcalling and then there's like a huge thing of meat and there's like you know the cow and everything and all i kept thinking was this sketch is called cattle call <laughs> and i was obsessed with that fact for some reason because they don't really I, I thought it was like gonna be like they start catcalling cows 
Um, but then that was not the premise at all. Wow, that's like one of those, like, here's a bad pitch. What if the sketch was about <laughs> cat calling cows? Because <laughs> you know it's not called Cattle Call. No. What, what, what is it called? <laughs> it couldn't. They couldn't possibly be a better title. It's called. Okay, I thought maybe you thought, read that somewhere. No, it's called Guys on a Break. I think. I. <laughs> I think it's just supposed to be uh, three like blue collar working class guys. Um, yeah, I don't know that. I mean, they're all wearing smocks with blood on it, and there's a huge thing of meat behind them. I mean, at, at the very least, they are working in like a slaughterhouse or something. <laughs> like they made that decision. Yeah. I think that's also supposed to be a juxtaposition to like the stuff they're saying, you know, that's like grinding background. Right. It's just an example of something masculine. Yeah. And the last, the last line of the sketch is, come on guys, let's go back and kill some more cows. Yeah. (laughs) The cows do come into it. Yeah. No, I mean, so it is about. (laughs) It's a really good blackout line. Honestly, I like that a lot. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah, I thought this was uh, I thought this was really funny. Uh, yeah, it, it is probably one of, one of the early versions of this sketch. It, it, like back then, not everybody was doing sketch comedy. Now it feels like, you know, because everybody has access to cameras and YouTube and and and, and whatever, everybody's like doing sketch comedy and everybody's exploring these premises. Well, I have like bad news. I feel like sketch comedy is basically dead. Like people don't even really make sketch comedy YouTube videos. You go on TikTok and you like film yourself. Yeah, that's true. I should say, yeah, everybody's doing comedy. Yeah, that's true. I am curious, like, how stale this felt. And I wonder if that is going to be something that we say a lot. Because we're like, oh, we've seen this. Yeah. But it's just that they, you know, pioneered a lot of stuff that we now see everywhere. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Don't panic. I mean, I'm only crushing your head. I think that the classic crushing your head thing was like infiltrated society almost immediately because years later people were doing that to each other like in high school like in the hall like, crushing your head i'm crushing your head yeah this is one of like one of two at least two recurring characters that shows up in this in this pilot i i, I bet this is part of what got them a series was this guy this crushing your head guy yeah they were like oh this is gonna be great with the kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> It also got the biggest laugh, and it also feels like a universal thing. Like, basically anybody can find this funny. Yeah. Is this voice that he does, this, like, vaguely Eastern European voice, is that mm. still okay? Can we? Can he still do that? Are we just going to talk about what's okay? What? Trying to catch okay? them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I've heard people who, um, you know, I'm not, I was not born and raised in Europe. I do not have a European accent, so they might have a different take on that i personally don't think it is but is it definitively a european accent it sounds like almost to me he's just like a weirdo or something i i I couldn't i should say his name is mr tyzik too i don't think that comes up in this pilot i guess you could i i can imagine someone being like oh nobody should imitate anyone's accent ever i'm sure there are people out there who feel that way but i also don't think he's doing like some weird stereotypical thing like he's just being a person who does this weird thing like it doesn't really mean anything about his you know nationality whatever that's supposed to be or we're supposed to infer it is it really i wonder i wonder what the sketch would be like without the voice like Like if it was more a grounded character yeah exactly hello i'm crushing your head i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you like a guy who's troubled but it's way more grounded that would be creepy for sure That would be my version of the sketch. Just like a regular uh, guy doing this. 
that's definitely something that the kids and all were praised for and are still praised for to this day is uh having like well-rounded characters uh not putting not just doing stereotypes and uh especially with their women characters not uh and we'll see in this next sketch this is called brian's bombshell and it's uh scott thompson playing uh the mother of dave foley who has just come out of the closet I suppose it's more difficult on the men, you know, because they wonder where they went wrong, question their own sexuality, their own manhood, blame themselves. Of course, Gordon has found a way to blame me. <laughs> he says that I smothered Brian with too much affection. Well, if too much love is a sin, then I guess I'm going to help. <laughs> At least Brian will have some company there. This is the one where, you know, I actually kind of tuned out because it kind of uh, bored me a little bit. Even mm. though I said I like these meandering characters, I just don't have the attention span anymore. But like, as we mentioned, we were talking about this earlier and how it's like really shocking that she just uses like the N-word as like a joke, throwaway joke. And like the audience is really uncomfortable with it. And you're just like, why did they make this choice? I mean, now they would never would, of course, but... It just also seems lazy. Like, I think Scott Thompson says that it's like, why? You really didn't need to use that slur in yeah. this place. It's shocking. That was like, yeah. And there was, it would kind of remind me of that John Lennon song, which is like, woman is the N-word of the world. I know. And like, people still will write mm. that on freaking protest signs and stuff. Like, it's just demented. They're like, it's art. What are you, you do not need to. To say yeah. that it's like you're trying to make a point that's not racist or anything but it's worse <laughs> yeah. yeah right it's like wear like wearing a kkk uniform ironically <laughs> i hope that doesn't Please come don't up do. in this guest though i, I was worried i'm like what is i because i totally didn't remember uh i don't remember this character at all i must probably have tuned her out when i was a kid too i think he plays the character really well though yeah i kind of liked I mean, the piece in general, I, I thought it was a little lame that the game kind of centered around like a little bit of the gay panic stuff. And that feels, you know, played out and somewhat offensive and or very offensive, I guess. But it's uh, I did like the bingo joke. I wish I was one of those bingo women, you know, <laughs> one of those bingo women with the bleach blonde hair, unfiltered cigarettes, hockey jacket, no welfare scam. <laughs> and all day long, I play bingo and i call it out too wherever i was even when i wasn't playing bingo i'd say bingo hello mrs morton bingo to you that was a lovely sermon reverend wilson bingo to you and your family bingo 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 i was gonna say i was gonna say though i don't think there's i don't think it plays on any i don't think the joke is gay panic i mean the joke is that and I'm sure it's probably something that Scott Thompson experiences that this father, his kid came out of the closet and the, the mother too, and they just don't know how to process it and how to accept it. Um, and yeah, it's well, not, isn't the that, father upset about it? I mean, or freaked yeah, out about it, but I don't think that's gay panic. I mean, I think that's reality, you know, like, and uh, I also think like, you know, Scott Thompson, is, I mean, he is gay and he, and I think like, you know, queer people are much more likely to like make, jokes about themselves in situations that are extreme or maybe you know from a straight person would definitely be offensive but it's like his take you know no that's fair could could you do it today i guess is is a question i have 
Oh, yeah, I think so. You could? I mean, not the... Definitely Other than the, the N-word. N-word. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, but I, I don't think the joke is... Uh, w- when you say j- gay panic, I think the joke is it's funny that these people have to be around gay people. You know, it's funny that, they, that they're scared of gay people. Whereas I think the joke here is out-of-touch people react to to uh their child being gay right right no i see what you're saying the joke is the panic so it's like it's not like they're using that to right i see what you're saying yeah i guess so and i also think it's just exploring the idea of of (laughs) this has this has kind of devolved into like (laughs) well is this problematic is this joke okay it's like we (laughs) i I think unless it's notable not necessarily the most interesting discussion because also those ideas (laughs) evolve really fast you know like we could say something is you know passing the bar for us personally and it wouldn't for another person or it wouldn't in a year you know it just changes very quickly our perception of what's okay to say and not and i think like it also the pendulum that swings back and forth um but comedy is often a place where that stuff comes up so i understand why it keeps coming up for us (laughs) i mean it's 30 years ago it's it's like that's 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 hard to Maintain. I expect it to be more offensive, honestly. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> like watching episodes. <laughs> um. So, so the next sketch is uh, our second recurring character, which is Cabbage Head, who's a guy with a cabbage head that uses that to try to get sympathy to have to get women to have sex with him. So, uh, what's the word on that? Uh, good night, Nookie. <laughs> I don't think so. I had a bad childhood. Oh, did you? Yeah, the other kids wouldn't let me join in all their playful games. Oh, that's terrible. My dad, the farmer, got drunk, tried to harvest my head. <laughs> Could be true. You know, it's funny. I, maybe I'm spoiled by uh, SNL or, or, or some, like, new shows, but to me, it's so... I mean, I guess it's intentionally lame, right? The costume. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's a, it's somewhat ironic. Like this is so we know this is stupid, but man, oh man! Like I kind of wanted. To me, this is cabbage scalp or cabbage hat. Like I wish they did a full head of cabbage. I that's wish your complaint about this. <laughs> that's my honestly. That's one of the first things I noticed because he said, "Hey, I'm cabbage head," and it's like you got it on top of your head, buddy. I my costume for this sketch full cabbage. So wait, sphere. I don't know. Do you think in your mind that this guy actually doesn't have a cabbage head? Because I would change what he's doing. Like he he isn't getting sympathy by having a cabbage head. He's getting sympathy by pretending to have. A honestly, cabbage head. It's a whole I, view. I <laughs> honestly weird. think it affects the comedy. I honestly think it affects the comedy because it's like to me this is like because he's got a cigar and he's acting kind of like a jerk or whatever. To me, it's almost like in the back of my mind, this dude put some lettuce on his head and he's walking around saying, "I'm cabbage head." And I know it's 1988 and it's like they don't have like a budget to like make a fucking, you know, perfect lettuce head. But uh, I don't know. I would have almost preferred a mask or something instead of I think it's just an odd choice. Hmm. You guys had no totally on your radar. Like their popular sketches. I remember Cabbage Head too. Maybe heads are like their thing. (laughs) 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 Cabbage Head. Like a strong premise they come back to. I almost felt like this was a parody of recurring characters, though. Like, uh, it's just so stupid. And uh, and the way and maybe this is just Bruce McCullough being an, a young performer, but you just does everything he says is so 
He just doesn't seem very committed to the performance, I thought. <laughs> That's right. I agree with that. I agree with that. It seems like there's like so many layers of irony, like a kind of we know it's bad, that's why it's good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I like that maybe in the first few seconds <laughs> for like a joke, but it does kind of go on a little while, right? Yeah. I do think there are a lot of these types of like sketches or characters <laughs> that you see that maybe work off the charisma of the actor and the, you know like other people wanting to feel included in the irony of their performance. Like that's mm. why everyone's laughing. But I, I just think it's so stupid. I'm like, okay, yeah. this is the cabinet guy. He's back. <laughs> We're here for can the you, first time. Can you guys answer me this question? Why did I'm King of the Mercy Fuck get an applause break? Is that like a reference to something? No, I think it's just a joke because he's got a cabbage for a head and people are always fucking him because they feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just... It just I got think... an out-of-whack reaction. I was, just, I just thought I was missing something. I, I mean, the reactions very... in the audience to me are just crazy over the top throughout the entire show. I they think are. Be, there's just like friends and family just being like, yeah, they're finally doing it. It's pilot night. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I reread the chapter from the bi- their biography about the pilot and it was like, yeah, I was mostly friends and family there. Uh, so yeah, the next sketch is, uh, oh yeah, the crying guy. I must have retraced my steps a thousand times, you know? Just trying to figure out if it was something I did. But everything has seemed so perfect right from our first date. <laughs> Order anything you'd like. I think I'm gonna have the duck. Waiter, is there anything you'd recommend? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I didn't really like this one. It's kind of similar in a way to the cabbage head thing where it's just like a person who does this weird behavior and you don't know why, which describes a lot of their characters in a way, but uh, watching someone pretend cry is not that funny to me. Yeah, it's a very thin premise. It's funny. In the beginning, my reaction was, man, like this is his crying. Like I know it's sketch comedy, but it's like, to be literally like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like, that's what it sounded like to me. And I was like, man, this is annoying. And then when it turned and you saw what the joke was. Um, Which is the joke is that he cries all throughout his life. This is he's not crying just because he was just broken up. This is what he was like, even when he was with his, with his wife. Right. He's crying about a breakup and we cut to when the breakup happened. And even before the breakup, he's crying. Exactly. Um, then I found it funny. Because I kind of understood, like, oh, he's got to sell it. Like, there's got to be some sort of, like, recurring noise that, like, you go back to and you understand. And it just helps kind of punch the joke home. But I don't know. What did you guys think? Was it too big and weird? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> would it, it have been funnier if it was more realistic crying? I, I, maybe it would have. No, I don't think it would work if it was more realistic. Because the point is the, like, over-the-top absurdity of it. Yeah. yeah it barely works as is. <laughs> 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 sorry guys sorry. this joke needs to be smaller <laughs> this was i mean this was just uh this was just yeah a thin premise i don't think it was enough i kind of like this one sketch. guys i certainly liked really? it more than cabbage head yeah i mean i, no, I was these cabbage heads quick you're just like one scene you're not doing all these cutaways how many different scenes am i gonna see this guy crying i get it like I don't it's know. true I, it should have been a blackout i agree uh but that but I was thinking that too, but then how do you communicate that idea in a blackout sketch in like 30 seconds? How do you well, show just the oh, one he beat. Was all, oh, he's always crying. How do you show that quickly? You enough? go you go you go from he's crying about the breakup and then you cut 
and then it's like you see the breakup happen and like right before the breakup happening he's crying about something else i guess so it's one beat you know it's not a perfect blackout but yeah just like you you're out after one beat when i saw that first flashback i was like oh wait so is the joke that he's always crying like to me it just didn't totally sync up until the second flashback also there were only two flashbacks why weren't there three it was weird oh what's wrong cry baby why are you so sad has the world treated you so terribly badly let me wipe the tears from your face oops pressed your head so sue me and here we are back at our favorite little runner just pushing the head now, yes. how do you guys feel about this as a runner? I mean, does this get funnier to you or as funny or it less funny? It did get funny. I actually laughed at the very last part one. I don't know if we should skip ahead, but... Um, the, end of the, the end of the pilot? But it becomes a head-crushing battle. I thought like that actually... That I loved. That I loved. Well, I liked. I, I thought it was an interesting way. Not interesting, but I thought it was a, a decent way of tying together the sketches because he, he's crushing the heads of the people in the other sketches. Like, right there, he's crushing the head of the crying guy. Sure. Um, well, as you said, they specialize in heads, so there's plenty of options. <laughs> Cabbage head. <laughs> okay. Well, this so guy. the next ske- the next sketch is Rusty. This is Bruce McCullough playing a uh, a teenager who uh, is horny for old old women. Perhaps they- Mom, get off my back. <laughs> Was I in your back, son? Little bit. I'm sorry. Have you met my friend, Mrs. Wilson? No. No, I haven't. Well, her daughter Janie is getting married. Do you know Janie? Oh. No, I don't. But if she's anything like her mother, I'm sure she's quite ravishing. Yeah, I mean, I think like this is like a stupid premise that I don't really like, but I think it's performed well. Like I think the I agree. and everything, it, it works and they kind of commit to it in a way that's engaging, you know, instead of throwing it away or whatever. I, th- I think the jokes, like if you read this where they're like, the light really brings out the blue in your hair, like. Yeah, that's bad. I, 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 that's lame, right? Like I feel like a lot of these, uh, you know, I don't well, know who like, am I to yeah, just say these jokes are lame. But if like a young guy wanted to fuck an old lady, and it's like actually, yeah, I feel that. like the script would be terrible. But I agree, Ame. It's like they they do go for it. And the guy uh, who, who who's the name of the actor, uh, the straight man in the sketch here, Nick Bruce McCullough. He's great in this sketch. He does a really good job. I think he does. Um, and I will he, say, he plays... I find the mother like as an ancillary character really funny. Like all I, her that's stuff, I had that note too. Yeah. <laughs> that's Dave, Dave, David Foley as, uh, as Bruce McCullough's mother that was one of the things where I was thinking wow they, they, let, they let everybody be funny in this sketch because yes. in, 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 in another sketch the, like normal one like what are you doing Real, I mean the older lady kind of does that but then she comes around by the end yeah and they let and she's uh, she kind of she's not just like a pushover either which is could have made things a little bit worse yeah like she she's she stands up to like elder abuse i love the the lower and lower standards uh it like uh, that it takes to get her out of the room i think is very very funny yeah (laughs) it ends with him just saying with him like hypnotizing her to sleep basically right yeah yes (laughs) mom there's an off chance i might want to watch tv later oh 
Then I better go leaf through the TV guide with a highlighter then. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was my favorite part of the sketch. But yeah, also Bruce McCullough, I think, plays a great teen. He's a really good he's really good at playing angsty teens. So this sketch transitions to the next sketch by in an interesting way with Dave Foley taking off his costume. Yeah, I thought and, that was cool. Uh, a Python esque thing. Yeah, and addressing the audience like a yeah, a seamless kind of transition. And this is the this one's called uh David Foley's Power slash Mark McKinney's Confession. Good evening. Good evening. My name is David Foley, and I am a man with an unusual power. A power that I myself little suspected I possessed. I chanced upon it quite by accident one summer while doing a little bit of volunteer dentistry for the river people of Botswana. I discovered that I had the ability to induce honesty in my fellow man. You're right. I'd, I'd forgotten that transition from when I was watching it, but that's really fun and interesting. We don't really see that in live sketch shows ever. It's always like, cut the camera. <laughs> Everyone rips off their clothes. Python, like, that's their trademark. I mean, Python yeah. is, is, is so good at that. I mean, they basically refuse to do a traditional transition. Um, yeah. I know. I loved it. Mr. Show does that. Mr. Too. Show. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I guess with Python, honestly, Python. I always listen to them on albums. I never really watch them except for the films. Like, oh, I, wow. Really? Flying Circus is, you, you, you haven't seen that? Wow. No, I would listen to their out al- the albums, which is very much a big throwback. Um, so you haven't seen the foot or was the foot on the cover of the album? I guess that's the funniest Python sketch ever. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go back and watch this Get out of the way, old lady. Your head's in serious trouble. Clutching your head. No, I'm clutching your head. No, I'm clutching your head. How can you when yours is already flat? <laughs> Victory! Got a chance. Victory, I crushed your head. No, you didn't. My head is fine. I'm number one. I'm number one. But so, yeah, we have the crushing your head guy again. This time he's crushing. Um, oh, this is the one where he ends up meeting his foe. C- competitive crushing. Yeah. Yeah. Crushing. Yeah. So Kevin McDonald plays a, a uh, antagonist head crusher. This should have been the second beat to me. Really? Well, been... What's the third beat? <laughs> well, the third beat. Don't they have another beat? Yet I to think, go? No, yeah. I don't think so. no, there's one more where I think he crushes the cabbage pat, the cabbage head. Which oh, is I see. Perfect. Like tie in the two heads from the the two heads, head based head. sketches. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like they had one too many of the crushers. Well, okay. So the next sketch, this one was another one that I didn't love that much. Which is this one was I, weird. It was called "But Do You But Do You Love Me." I love your righteous indignation, your moral outrage, and still your compassion for the failings of others. So you love me. I love your hair. Oh, there are so many things about you that I love. But me, do you love me? No, I don't love you. (laughs) But you said you loved everything about me. I know it's funny, isn't it? Right, if he hates her, it's like, okay. Yeah, Uh, so it's this man just saying, this woman, played by Kevin McDonald, asked this man, do you love me? And uh, he says, I love everything about you, but I don't love you. Just kind of, yeah, mean-spirited a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of like it's on the verge of an interesting observation to me that, like, oh, people say I love your blank and I love your blank and, like, 
obviously loving a person is much different than loving all the components of a person and like that is fun but i feel like they could have tackled that without the punchline being no 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 i hate you <laughs> like you guys are saying um i wonder I if it the- could have just been like oh he actually isn't he is he loves someone else but the person he loves he hates all these components about the person but then he loves the person you know like that inverse of of, of uh, the relationship that we get so mm. something like that maybe but as is it, it, you're right i agree with you guys it's feel is a little like yeah i hate you woman <laughs> <laughs> i do think that kevin mcdonald's performance in this is really good you know like I, yes. a lot of performances in this aside from the monologues um they're very like this is a comedy sketch and kevin mcdonald's obviously is serving comedy sketch realness here but i think like you see him being affected by the bad news in a mm. way and like he does a good job with it i agree like, I, yeah it's He's committed to it in a, in a nice way. Wow. It's funny. I agree with you, but I did, under my notes for the sketch, I wrote uncommitted. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then how do you agree then? <laughs> well, I'm, watch, I'm, like, I'm watching it now and I'm watching the performance of like, oh, he is, he's definitely committing to something. It, it, but, it, but what you said to me uh, rang true is that, that it's very like a sketch comedy performance. And I guess that's what I meant by uncommitted. Like it, they're, 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 they're acting like sketch comedians it's a hard premise for that character too it's like you have to stick around while the guy says i don't love you and i don't like you you know it's like you don't want to just be like the guy who's crying in the other sketch just like sad or something or whimpering like it's a tough i think balance that is he strikes pretty well one thing i want to say was uh so there there were kind of three writing teams in the kids in the hall was it was Dave and Kevin, these two, David Foley and, and Kevin McDonald. Oh, and interesting. Mark McKinney and uh, and Bruce McCullough. Uh, and then Scott Thompson would write his, his own stuff more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think these Kevin and, and Dave sketches are much more goofy uh, and absurdist than the, than the Bruce and Mark and Scott stuff. Um, and this one, I think, is goofy and absurd in, in, a, in a not so great way i think some of the, I mean, some of them are some some of their sketches are some of my favorite kids and all sketches but this one i think just isn't doing it for me and i felt the same way about the uh the crying guy sketch i think oh it was a crazy crazy time for me i was the top male model for an egyptian line of jeans And my face and figure were plastered on billboards all over the Middle East. And still the fighting continued. Okay. So we haven't said anything about this sketch. I mean, it's a very uh, charismatic performance. I was captivated by everything he was saying and and sharing, for sure. You know, it's funny. I was captivated, but I didn't find myself laughing really i feel like i liked him more in the sketch um about having a gay son and you kind of similarly doing a monologue yeah um, it is weird that there are two monologues and they're both scott thompson yeah that i is mean i guess strange. it's not weird he is he is the best actor well is this something your... that it is somewhat recurring throughout the series does he but this do... is buddy this is buddy cole which is his main character he does buddy cole is uh is something he's come back to over and over again. He's done stage shows of just Buddy Cole. He's written a book from the like the memoirs of Buddy Cole. Uh, yeah, so this is definitely a, a character he comes back to over and over, over and over again. 
Um, you know, Buddy Paul kind of made me think of it, like he was almost like a precursor to Stefan on SNL. <laughs> like it's been yes uh, streamlined and made into a very basic joke there, but it is like the story of the queer elder guy who's like got all these tales to tell. Yeah, it's like Stefan. Uh, if Steph like, but <laughs> Stefan wasn't like boom, 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 joke, joke, joke. Weekend update. Goodbye. Yeah, but Stefan was, like was just Stephane. like, "Hey, what's going on? Like, let's talk." Like a very. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's like if Stefan <laughs> conversational. If, if Buddy Cole, uh, if they were trying to make a Buddy Cole that like your aunt could watch, and not be offended, you know, okay, like true. with the edges totally sawed off, yeah. because th this was like. I, I don't know. When I was a kid, I didn't understand anything that he was talking about. I remember just thinking, what is going on while these are? And, and, they, and I thought these were boring because I just didn't know what, was, what he was talking about. I did but, love this joke where he says, uh, whenever straight people hear anything anal, they run out to vacuum their car. <laughs> <laughs> that really made me laugh. I don't know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's always a great comedy K punchline. Nailed it. It was my there favorite was, joke there, of the sketch by far. There was some joke about like... We were together for six months, which in heterosexual terms is three reincarnations of the same mate. <laughs> like, yeah. When I was a kid, I had no idea what he was talking about. Like, I didn't know that... <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't supposed to, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think it's weird that you didn't... I mean, of no, course no. you didn't know what he was talking about, right? Well, okay, so this next sketch is Naked for Jesus. When I first met Sportva... She was standing with her nose pressed up against the used bookstore window. Beneath her arm was some flowers. And oh yeah, she was naked. Well, she was more than naked. She was naked for Jesus. Oh yeah, I don't know. This one actually made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, really me too. I can't justify why. I just thought it was funny that these people love to be naked and they're justifying it with... It's for Jesus. Yeah, this was one of those sketches where, like, the whole time in my head, I'm thinking, like, I don't like this. Like, this isn't justified. Like, this is stupid. Like, this is easy. But I'm laughing the whole time. So <laughs> I guess I like it. I mean, I, I, it's a very simple sketch. I wish, maybe I wish there was more to it. Uh, but I guess it makes a funny point, right? Like, it. I, well, I think, I think it's with a lot pretty... of these sketches where it's just this most basic fucking premise, like either it makes you laugh or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you're like, this is why, why? And then when it does, it, it hits, baby. This was originally also a stage sketch, which I'm sure just it totally killed on stage because it was oh, just yeah. sure, you saw people walking naked. out naked and like saying, yeah, I'm naked for Jesus. Right. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, it, was, it works really well as a film sketch, too, I thought. So, you know, guys? Seems like only yesterday we were just a bunch of kids hanging out and getting slurpees. Next thing you know, we all got jobs. Or girlfriends. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're moving in with you. Next thing you know, you're out buying piano wire. <laughs> Good, strong piano wire and sneaking up an old Reg while he reads. <laughs> jobs become careers. Girlfriends become wives. And Reg becomes a lifeless corpse in your arms. Okay, and this is to Reg, which was. Oh yeah. This I is a sketch like that. This. I like this one too. This is this is one. I like this one too. I know for sure they did this on the first reunion tour that I saw them on, like in 2000 or so. Mm -hmm. And I think they busted out like most of their shows because it is just like a. 
I, this is this might be the only sketch where all five of them are just sitting around talking for one thing. That's true. Right. Um, it might be the only sketch that like you know features all five of them, and it's just yeah very good easy premise and uh, executed well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reminiscing over a guy they murdered. I mean, it's a super easy pitch. I love the pitch. I love the execution. So many good jokes. Uh, I also like to... that it's like not one odd man out, you know, because at first it seems that way. The first person to reveal the murder detail, and then actually they're all in on it, which is much more satisfying than having right. one go. I love that it's felt like such a modern joke of the. Uh, you know, like, I wonder where he is right now. What? He's huh? in a shallow grave. <laughs> yeah, up by the tracks, don't you remember? Oh, no, 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 no. I know where his corpse is. I meant spiritually. I wonder where his soul is. <laughs> oh. It felt very fresh, the sketch, more than any other sketch. It felt like something that you would see today. And it just felt simple and well executed. Mm-hmm. And there, what I I didn't know this notice this when I was watching it at first. But are they burning a fire in a stroller? <laughs> I thought it was a cooler. I but... looked like a cooler, but you could be right. A stroller yeah. fire would be very funny. Yeah. Even a cooler fire is pretty funny. That's funny too. Yeah, yeah, they both work. Touching <laughs> your head, Mister Businessman. See that your head's flat. Is your mother still dressing you? She should have just crushed your head. <laughs> Good night. And the last sketch was back to the crushing your head, dude. For the fourth time. I mean, I know, I know, I know the credits are rolling over it, but one too many for sure. <laughs> well, it's a forty-seven minute, forty-seven minute episode, and I think they wanted to something to tie, something to like, you know, keep recurring all throughout the episode, but. Hey, that was the end of the Kids in the Hall show. Well, um, thank you all for listening. I think we'll be just reviewing sketches. So if you really want to dive deep, you should preview them before you listen. And if you want to disagree or agree uh, or just be bored out of your mind by our observations. But yeah, and the, and the other episodes won't be this long. This one felt long, I think, because it was a, it was two episodes, basically. It was a pilot for them. It's a pilot for us. Yeah. And we'll also edit it down, hopefully. Yeah, so maybe to you it didn't feel long. <laughs> the first, I think one of the first things we'll edit down is the amount of times Amay has encouraged us to edit it down. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to it in full, you might hear Amay say, okay, next sketch. Okay, I'll keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened semi-frequently. But don't worry, that'll be all cut out. Yeah. Okay, but until next time... <laughs> um, and now is where we all say our famous sign-offs. And we each have one. We each have uh, one. Isn't that fun? Until next right. time, keep keep crushing those heads. Uh, Indubitably, until... my good man. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs>